0: Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical NBA Podcast. Happy Thursday morning. Did I say happy Thursday morning already? No. I didn't? I don't think so. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you doing? Hey. Where are you? What's the story, man? Why aren't you ever showing up to the podcast anymore? People are getting worried. What's going on with I'm
1: you? I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm just, uh, you know... I don't know. Uh, hanging out in Amsterdam. So that could explain a lot, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> here in Amsterdam for the last uh, month and a half and uh, going to stay here until the end of January. Just having an absolute blast. This town is so cool. In search of entrepreneurs, if you're an entrepreneur and you're in Europe anywhere, give me a call. Getting a little lonely over here. Yeah. What's up with that? It's okay. It's okay. I actually went to an event uh, about two weeks ago. It was pretty cool. Uh, it was It was put on by this group called Pitchers. So uh, I suggest them if you're in uh, Amsterdam looking for some entrepreneurial talk time. But other than that, man, just here for the holidays
0: and enjoying myself. I know people are missing you. When you think when you look at the wide landscape of 2014, what are you dreaming about? What are the kinds of things that you're excited about for the new year?
1: We've uh, started to have that conversation. I, I think the first thing for us, Dan, is to wrap up 2013. So generally what I'll do at the beginning of 2014 is uh, write like a State of the Union email.
0: Absolutely. So this episode, Ian, is called tropicalmba.com slash cut bait, or it's located at slash cut bait. And it's called How Do You Know When to Cut Bait? Five Signs Your Niche Needs Change. But first, some quick news updates. This podcast is available on Stitcher, and I found out recently that they have reviews over there, too. So if you've got Android or you want to listen to uh, the Tropical MBA podcast streaming, we are on Stitcher. And we got another five-star iTunes review today from Trent Anderson. Five stars. Roll the applause effect. He says, great tips even for experts and medium to large business owners. Thanks so much for that, Trent. Ian, we got a question from listener Antonio from Seattle. What do you say we roll it?
2: Hey, this
1: is Antonio. I'm calling you from Seattle. What I'm really curious about is for people who have never done any kind of uh, entrepreneurship and such, what would you recommend for a kind of apprenticeship? Thanks.
0: All right, Ian. Yeah, I have so much to say about this apprentice thing. We've been racking on about apprenticeships for years. We've both done them when we were younger. We've done a whole episode called A is for Apprentice, where to get started on this issue. Sometimes I go into forums, Ian, and people, I'll tell you a a true story about Redditors. Recently, we're talking crap about our website. What? Do you want to know what? Yeah, they were talking crap. and, And I can understand. Here's what they said. They said they come to Tropical MBA and it's like, those guys are just selling the dream. You know, and... It's just a bunch of BS. They only make money by telling you how to make money. And that's not how they make money. And, you know, all these classic kind of I am critiques. And that's all for well and good. And we need to change our branding a little bit. But fair enough. That's another- <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, man, I'm in Amsterdam. I don't know what that has to do with the tropical MBA.
0: <laughs> so what are their suggestions? Well, their suggestions are people should provide like walkthroughs, like specific walkthroughs of like what to do. And I'm just thinking, What? Like, <laughs> come on, walkthroughs. Okay, if you've got like an established business and you get a walkthrough on like how to optimize a PPC campaign for something like hyper-specific, but please, you're not gonna get a walkthrough that's like, here's how to like start a business. It's just like derp, right? Really, like you want the wrong thing. Like no wonder you see the wrong things because you want the wrong things. Here's the thing. And this is why I love this idea of apprentice because the the ground, like the primordial ooze, the, the very beginning of all of this is is having quality relationships. And if people don't, in your life, they don't want to hire you, they don't want to do partnerships with you, they don't want to mentor you, like that's the problem. Like having an e-commerce site or having a good PPC campaign or walking through a 10-start process isn't going to change that fundamental problem that you have that people don't trust you. You know that you can't learn from quality feedback from people that you can't build meaningful networks, and so that's why I think when I think about starting out as an entrepreneur, I love this idea of getting in the blocks, starting step one, become an apprentice, develop a trusting relationship with an entrepreneur. This is the easiest deal you're ever going to cut. It doesn't get easier. You know what I mean? <laughs> like-
1: yeah, yeah. We've we've both cut this deal early on in our in our careers, and uh, you know, Dan, I've learned much more from. Uh, any apprenticeship that I've done, then I have reading information on the internet. I'm sorry, it's it's just the truth. Like practical application for me beats out generally reading information on the internet. And so I can't recommend it enough. One of the things I will say about uh, being an apprentice is I think it's a much easier proposition for both parties if you can do it in person. Uh, so depending on what city you're in, try and find somebody that's local. I, I probably wouldn't solicit somebody through the internet unless you absolutely have to. I think I've had the best success actually um, soliciting somebody and and forming some kind of partnership face-to-face.
0: And and here's the thing, if you're gonna do it virtually, I have a piece of advice for that, which is you have to have a point of view and you have to have a a confidence and a decisive decision-making power because that's what we're all missing as entrepreneurs. I don't need people to say, how can I help you? I'm willing to help you anytime. What can I do for you? That provides me with very little value because I still have to do the most expensive work, which is figure out what you're gonna do.
1: I had a conversation about uh, mentorships uh, last weekend actually. uh, somebody asked me you know who who's who are the people that have changed your life the most you know and I think one of the cool things about mentorships when I started to think about it is like it's a give and take on both sides whether or not you realize it like the person that's mentoring you is uh, getting something from you as well and that's critical to the relationship working
0: well and it's a great opportunity to to sort of crystallize what you know and to everybody likes to bring people along. I think that that's a pretty universal thing, but there are things that can corrode that. Like if you're constantly asking what to do or if you're not executing, you know, and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, it comes back down to the, the four letter word that starts with a W and ends with irk. Or work. Or work. I don't know. I, you know, it's like it, at some point, you know, it's about showing up and having confidence and saying, hey, you guys should be doing this. I'll do it for you. And then the person's going to say, no, trust me, because they're busy. And then you're going to do it anyway. Because you're relentlessly resourceful. You're tenacious. You know that this is the easiest deal you're ever going to cut. So you're terrified of the consequences of not cutting it. Totally. One more thing
1: I want to say about this, Dan, is uh, I think you can have multiple mentors in your life. And so uh, when you go out looking for a business mentor, you know, maybe you look for another kind of mentor in your life. You know, I, I want to be around somebody that really understands how to work relationships. You know, that's one person. I want to be around somebody that really understands internet marketing, that's another mentorship. I don't think you have to rely on one person to kind of fulfill all these different pods that you need to fulfill for yourself. So, you know, maybe maybe just take it one step at a time.
0: And the key thing is, you know, not just finding somebody that's going to give you the right answers, because there's not really right answers. You want to find somebody who's going to give you the right work. Right. And then you're going to go and you're going to do it and you're going to evolve that relationship. You know, you're going to start as an apprentice, you're going to become their business partner and you're going to end up buying them out of the business or whatever it is. That's the idea. You want to evolve these things. Uh, and that's a sign of, of your ability to create value.
1: And by the way, after you've been working uh, the printing press for a year, you know, you might figure out that you don't want to do that kind of work. And that's part of the apprenticeship mentorship uh, experience, too, is, is actually getting deep enough to understand whether or not you want to go down that path, you know, peeking into that window and saying, yes, this is how
0: I want it to look. Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, we we talk, we talked saw a review about the mid to advance. So let's do a mid to advance topic today. Today's show is about how to know when to cut bait. Five signs your niche needs changed. And to commemorate the theme of this episode, I think we should play a little Kenny Rogers. <laughs> I know you love this song, Ian. This is a great song. Hey, uh, let's, let's get to Curie's phone call. She runs a website called I Like That It's about uh, DIY lampshade kits, and we're going to talk about sunk costs and niche selection.
2: Hey guys, my name's Curie. Um, big fan of the show, have been for the last year or so. I have a site called I Like That and I teach people how to make their own lamps and lampshades. And I developed a product which is a DIY lampshade kit which has everything that you need to make your own custom drum lampshade. Um, Just in listening to your podcast and talking about the challenges that you had with your most recent product business, it made me sort of think about my own products and the challenges that I have sort of come across already being a fairly low price point, relatively high cost to ship the product relative to the price point, Um, My sort of creative audience can be also creative in trying to find a lower-priced alternative. So my question to you is really around, should I cut my losses and get started on the next thing and learn, learn a few lessons from this? Or should I keep pushing on this one? Thank you so much. Love what you guys are doing. Appreciate it. Bye.
0: All right, Ian, so we've got a whole host of problems here. We've got the low price point, the high shipping. You know, we've got questionable margins. We've got an ungrateful, cheapo target audience. (laughs) But on the plus side, we've got a great-looking product at ilikethatlamp.com. We've got uh, a lot of investment. We're out the door and running. And uh, we've got an entrepreneur who's truly passionate and an expert, uh, on these types of things. So how how when we're in this position, how do we know whether we're we're giving up in a bad way or giving up in a good way? So how do you think about this?
1: Yeah, geez, there's a lot to
0: say about this.
1: You know, one thing, Dan, when it when we talk about sunk costs, I think uh, like we well, like we've talked about before, when that word comes up, uh, a red flag goes off, right? A red yes. light goes off. And so when, when I think about this site, I really think about when she says sunk costs and I get a little bit worried and I start to think, okay, so what's really sunk? Is it your time? Do you feel like you're never going to get this year back that you spent on it? Or is it the $20,000? Uh, from just looking at the site, I, I, I can't tell exactly what kind of sunk costs that she's talking about.
0: Yes. I mean, I think I, I do think that that's a good litmus test because you know it's investment right? The, the moment the word investment splits into two and becomes sunk cost, you're worried. <laughs> yeah, you're totally worried. And I, I think it's a good worry. I think it's a very entrepreneurial thing to be able to step away from bad investments, whether it be in, in time or money. Um, so I, if you can take it out of the equation, I think that that makes a lot of sense. So I think that that's step one.
1: And, and there's tools that'll help you do that, right? So like, you know, having uh, key performance indicators, things like that. So you can say, well, I haven't, you know, I've only made $1,000 this month. Uh, I've only made $2,000 this month. You know, what what are your key performance indicators that tell you whether or not you should be cutting bait? What are the key performance indicators that tell you whether or not you should be doing version two or version three? These iterations, you know, things like that. By the time I get to the sunk cost thing, I've tried so many things, you know, I've tried everything possible to get that ship steered away from the iceberg, you know, and by the time I'm about to hit the the iceberg, hopefully you're jumping off.
0: Right. Number two reason you might need to get off your niche is you can't kickstart it. So, Ian, there's this idea, you know, there's both this idea in the startup space, which is, you know, customer validation before you have a product going out and pre-selling, your product, getting an interest list. There's also this idea in the in the B2C space of you know, what the Manal guys did, where they put up their bag, they have a pr- prototype, and the audience comes to them and supports them. I think if you can't get a small group of people passionate about the product you intend to launch, in particular if it's B2C. So you know I imagine a lot of B2C e-commerce entrepreneurs out there, they've got a product, they've got a site set up, and, you know, they're leering down the, the barrel of, of, of endless PPC campaigns and potential SEO consultants and stuff. And that's a really bad spot to be in. It's really tough to compete with the entire internet, with Amazon, if you don't have that small group of people that are super passionate about what you're doing.
1: Totally. So uh, talking about kickstarting it, go over to uh portablebarcompany.com. Check out our new bar, the Flash Bar. And uh, you'll see on the right-hand side there, we've got a little Contact Us form. And it's where people for the last three months that this landing page has been up have been contacting us. And we've got a lot of really interesting information, some from people that want to buy the bar, others from like industry insiders. So people telling us about their experience with similar products, telling us how to sell this kind of product. So it's been amazing to have that just that little Contact Us form up there. And it's given us an opportunity to pre-sell into to gain information on the future market of that product so i think you don't necessarily have to go to kickstarter you can just have a place where people can interact with you on the product does that make sense
0: sure absolutely number three point we have here ian is your customers don't love to spend money on the problem you solve and you know in in the case of b2b it's fantastic because you have a bunch of customers who are getting roi and they're building their business on your products they need them in the consumer space, I'm very concerned with any product that people are just trying to get around the back door without spending anything. DIY is like a bad word for business guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless, you, unless you're the platform person, you Correct. know, where you're out there with the content. I'm really concerned about low-end markets where people are trying to get around higher price points and stuff like that. I mean, it really is this idea that uh, Derek Sivers has this quote that I love. He says, revenue is proof that you are valuable to people and profit is proof that you're doing it wisely. And in this case, look, if people aren't willing to pay a lot of money, if they don't spend a lot of money on it in general, that just shows you how much they value what you do. And if people aren't spending money on what you do, why do you want to position yourself or your business there.
1: Right, so you're solving a problem but it's not a problem necessarily that's that's worth a lot of money. But it sounds like we're talking pretty negatively about this uh, DIY lampshade site. We'll get off our five
0: point list. Let's just go at it.
1: Sure, <laughs> <Which> is- <laughs> I want to throw in a couple of suggestions. So- You know, what you said, Dan, I think is true, which is like if you are the DIY resource. So when I look at this do-it-yourself lampshade site, I think, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I can see a need for this. I know people actually that have made their own lamps before. Fairly simple. And I think it's, you know, a lot of industrious people do it. You know, you can take a vase or something uh, or they sell the bases and then you can buy the components and she's making the shade here. So, you know, I think that this is interesting. One of the things that I would probably try and do, you know, if you're good at this DIY stuff and you're good at explaining how to make uh, home products, I think that that should be your platform and you should expand out on that. So I don't think it should necessarily be tied directly to lamps. I see a lot of opportunities here for lamps, for sofa slip covers, for shades over the windows. You know, there's a lot of products that have a lot of similarities here.
0: So so I like what you do here. You're pushing up the value chain, right? So instead of being the e-commerce person at the end, you you become the voice, the perspective that people want to follow about how to improve their home in interesting ways and the products are on the back end.
1: Yeah, and there's a couple other things that I think I've learned from these, like DIY sites and this, this kind of niche in general, which is uh, there's a certain percentage, and I think this is true with a lot of information products too, there's a certain percentage of people that will watch the videos, that will say, hey, that's really cool, and then they won't do it, and they'll just go ahead and buy your product. Right. And then there's another percentage of people that will say, yeah, I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to go down to uh, the fabric store and I'm going to get all these, you know, components that I need and I'm going to build this thing. But there is a certain percentage of people that will just enjoy the process of watching you do it and then buy it from you. And uh, I think either way, like you said, that's your platform. That's how you get people interested in what you're doing is you become this DIY person. And yeah, by the way, that's an awful, awful term.
0: So if I was going to stick with it, I would double your price. Why not? Patrick McKenzie says you should double your prices. I believe that guy. His year-end review was fabulous, by the way. Yeah, I mean, and that's just one way to, to test people. You know, if, if people aren't willing to spend something that's going to give you a decent margin on this stuff, then, you know, you're not going to sustain the business anyway. Uh, do you love your numbers? And here's the two numbers that you need to look at. Look at your lifetime value of a customer and your real customer acquisition costs. And if you have to hypothetically back of the napkin this stuff, that's fine. But you got to know it. You gotta have an idea of what the lifetime value of a customer is. Cause you're gonna come to me and say, every person that likes these DIY videos, every person that buys a lampshade is gonna buy a $30 product from me. And then, you know, I'm gonna ship it to them. And then they're not gonna come back for two years until Christmas you know, they're worth to me 15 bucks. I'm just gonna say, hey, look, like that's leave it to the Costco's of the world, leave it to the Amazons of the world. This is not a small business opportunity. On that line, I mean, you can always ask yourself, is there a way that you can up level the consumer? Can you push down any value chain? Can you become the wholesaler? You know, I like what you're doing with the, you know, with the marketing element, is saying, hey, is there any way we can push into a higher value here rather than just being the person that's retailing B2C low margin goods? Right. But let me ask you on the verdict, Ian. You know, you've heard Curie's story, you've gone to her site. Given what you know, what would your prescription be?
1: Okay, so it's not, it's not so different than what I explained. I think I would push into other avenues. So I would try and DIY like a bunch of things. So I would try and get that price point up. I would try and get that LVC up so i would try and uh, diy out a whole room if i could and there's a couple different reasons for that one is you've got you've got yourself some options so if i diy a lamp a bedspread you know a, a slipcover some shades all that stuff then i've i've got a, i've got some options right so people are coming to the site and i'm seeing that a lot of people are buying the lamp shades no one's buying the slipcover on the sofa why is that you know so it, it gives me the opportunity to to kind of float this business out into the ocean and see what sinks and what what sinks and what floats without killing the whole business. Right now you've only got one product, right? So I guess the the key term there is diversify a little bit. And I know that's that can be a dangerous term especially when maybe you don't know anything about this business cuz it's brand new, but I would try a bunch of different things and see if I can get any one of those to catch on this platform. Definitely have a talk with your shipping carrier. Because what I'm seeing now is a very light box, dimensionally it's kind of large, but in my experience you can ship that stuff for very cheap. Maybe you need to explore knockdown uh, opportunities. So I I know that these do knock down. You've got the two pieces of metal that go on the top and the bottom of the lampshade and then the fabric in between. Is it possible to have these expand and contract so
0: you can actually ship them flat? Maybe that'll help your shipping costs. You are just, I mean, you are just giving Kiri a, a lifetime worth of marketing work i feel like we're on shark tank ian where the different investors are like pitching the plan and you're like and i want 20 percent royalty on every single lampshade that you sell all right so so look Kiri, I, I think the boss man has a legitimate point if you're gonna go down the hey let's Throw more spaghetti against the wall route. I definitely think you have to push down one value chain or another, whether that's marketing or going wholesale or whatever. But I think his idea is awful. So I'm 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 doing the Shark Tank thing. I'm looking over at you and I'm saying, I can't believe you would go with that guy. That deal's awful.
1: Listen, before you hear Dan's proposition, ten percent, ten percent. You can't hear his prop though. You gotta you gotta either take it or leave it. Ten percent. <laughs> Are you serious? Here's what here's what I think. As I soon think as you start, awful- it
0: goes down to five. This is an awful idea. I can't believe that this guy with all his business experience wants to tell you to throw more money down the well of bad tidings. What I wanna do is say, look, Kyrie, you obviously uh, have a lot of passion for business in general. And in fact, that's something you really gotta take stock of. Is this something you wanna do? Has launching this brand you know, solidified in your mind that, that you have the entrepreneurial genes? It looks from what we've seen that you do. So let's take that, that's the valuable part. You got a bunch of ungrateful customers, you got a low margin marketplace, you got tons of competition. I'm just not interested in that. I'm gonna look at where is the money. I'm gonna go out uh, and inventory this marketplace and say, who's killing it right now? Who has an innovative business model? Who has an incredible lifetime value of a customer? Let's build a business around that. Let's not continue to throw more good money after bad, more good time after bad. This is what we talk about often, which is look, you get to choose in life and in business where you set up your outpost in the entrepreneurial prairie. And this just doesn't look that good. So you don't really have much going on. So why stay there? You know, why not why not move and, and go somewhere else uh, and use everything? Cause here's a great part. And and me and Ian have seen this as we've built out our portfolio of niches is that it gets easier. You know, the second one comes faster and you learn more. Look at what Rob Walling's done. You know, he didn't stick around uh, with earlier products that, you know, really weren't making him money. He took the lessons and applied them to a hungrier marketplace that had more profound problems and delivered a better product faster. To that end, I will refer you on this very podcast episode to Rob Walling's MicroConf talk in 2012. I believe it was amazing. It was about learning how to fail faster. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's uh, what we're looking for. We're trying to get to a point where we've learned something and we can apply it to our next thing.
1: Do you think? Do you think I'm wrong? If she wants to invest in that plan, I mean, I don't, I don't really see a plan forward there, except exactly. for uh, I'm the destroyer. Except for start over. But yeah, if you <laughs> want to invest in that, I mean, go ahead. No, I think that you're. Uh, I think that you're right.
0: There's, there's no question that you can make this thing work. Uh, the question you got to ask yourself is: Do you want to be harvesting water from a rock for the next five years? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Listener Josh from fretboardanatomy.com, who we've been having a little backline email relationship going on. He sent me some really awesome music from his band, and he actually wrote... A Christmas tune that he has allowed us to play this so even though it's January Ian I'm the guy with with I keep the mistletoe up all year long as you know and I also have the tree (laughs) still because I'm too lazy I'm too busy hustling I didn't even take down the tree yet so why not play out with some Christmas music I love this uh, podcast audience we've got an incredible diversity of people Josh noted that this is particularly good for people away from their families during the holiday season. Hey, boss man, it's, it's awesome to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining us. Again, all the links, tropicalmba.com slash cutbait. Thank you for joining us on the Tropical MBA podcast. We'll be back to join you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies load up your ipod that is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight we will see you next thursday morning 8 a.m eastern standard time